0: You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete.
1: This is the world we're living in. And folks, if what I'm reading here is correct, and I think it is, it's going to get worse. Now, he doesn't leave us with a negative message. He tells us how to prepare, and he just uses the Bible. How to prepare for this, because this is where we're living, and this is where we're heading as a culture. And apart from a real, genuine revival, which I'm praying for, and which God wants to send, but apart from a real, genuine genuine revival, we need to really heed what God says to us through the pen of Peter, because this is our witness.
0: It doesn't necessarily take one being a believer and a follower of Christ to recognize that this world is compromised. However, as believers, we don't have to experience the same level of despair as those who have yet to receive the hope that Christ offers. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on the most crucial resource for our hope and our witness, the Word of God. In his study, you'll be reminded that not only does the Bible renew our hope, but it also gives us the instruction we need to witness. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Now, I'm going to back up to bridge where we're headed because I think it'll be helpful. Verse 9 says, You're a chosen people, speaking of the church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends... I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, stop there for a minute. Please, please, you got to get it in your head as a Christian. I think about it every day. I think about heaven every day. I can't help it. And as I think about heaven, one of the things I'm reminded of is this world is not my home. And if you're a Christian, this world is not your home, and you ought to be very thankful for that. So as aliens and strangers in this world... I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. That's just a strong word for unbelievers. Now, we were all pagans at one time. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will, this is God's will, that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. That would include your boss. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing good and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. That's our calling. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. This next section blows me away. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate, and he could have. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Let me quickly point out that healing is spiritual of the soul Not physical, because the Greek is past tense. It's already accomplished. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amazing section. He talks about us as a house, and as a house, we are the materials for the building. As a priesthood, royal, kingly priesthood. What do priests do? Well, you go back to the Old Testament, and three things the priests did. They offered sacrifices. We offer spiritual sacrifices. They blessed the people, and God wants us to bless the people. And they were to carry the ark, which represented the power and the presence of God. And so we carry the Holy Spirit, the presence, and the power of God. So we're a house, we're a priesthood, we're a people. Verse 9 in the old King James Version says you're a peculiar people. The world can't figure you out. And we're a holy nation. Now, I love America, and I don't like the direction America's headed. And I appreciate the founding fathers and the fact that this country was founded on biblical principles. I appreciate that. Nevertheless, America is not a holy nation. We are a holy nation. That's what God said. We're a holy nation. Now, with all those things... He tells us that, and then he tells us our mission. That was verses 11 and 12, and you can just summarize verses 11 and 12 uh, this way. A lifestyle that's unique, Christian, at least it's supposed to be, and deeds that are good deeds that speak of who we are as a house, a priesthood, a people, and a nation. You could summarize it very simply by saying we're to be witnesses in the world. That's what God's called us to. If we're not to be witnesses, what's our purpose here? I mean, beam us up. Let's go home because this world is not our home. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. Gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Now, with that mission of being a witness to the world, here are the essentials for success. And I read through it fairly quickly, but these are essentials for success. One is abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Now, those can be all kinds of sinful desires. One of the first ones I think about because of my old lifestyle is sexual sin, addiction to drugs, the pagan party lifestyle because that was my life before I came to know Christ. All right? But in the context, the sinful desires he's talking about, and that includes those as well all right, and we are to abstain from those that I just mentioned, but in the context, it's sinful desires that have to do and that arise when they accuse you of doing wrong, when you suffer unjustly before the world. Are you with me? While I was away, Channel 10 did a little story about Calvary Chapel right here, Calvary Chapel. They came and deceptively... uh, Said they were doing a story and got some B-roll footage of the building and the reporter was standing out. And somebody, Bob Corey, sent me a a link and I viewed it online because I didn't see it on the news. It was a very negative story about us because we have broken ties with the Boy Scouts. We've for years had a, our Boy Scout troop here, and the Boy Scouts have just recently put in that as, if you have a Boy Scout troop, you have to allow homosexuals into that Boy Scouts group that Boy Scout troop. Now we love the homosexuals. We should. But we're a church. and we're a church that believes that homosexuality is sin. All right? We believe heterosexual sin is sin. Immorality is sin too, all right? But we've broken ties with the Boy Scouts, and so they didn't give us a voice at all. But they interviewed a lesbian pastor, a lady lesbian pastor, and it made us look like we're racist. We're bigots. Abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Maintain an attitude and lifestyle of submission. Be willing to suffer and endure it. That was unjust suffering. My first thought was to call Reginald Roundtree and say, you know, that really wasn't fair. But I didn't do that. I'm not going to do that. You know what I have done? And I haven't even planned this, but God's just done this in me ever since I viewed that story about Calvary Chapel and Channel 10 did that was a negative story. I've been praying for Reginald Roundtree. And I've been praying for Channel 10. And I've been praying for the lady that did the story. I've been praying for him every day. I actually have now because I've been praying every day, and my heart just reaches out and goes out to him. I want to see him saved. Amen. And look, look, our response, our response is important because our response determines our witness. Amen. All right, doesn't mean it's wrong to point out injustice at times. And uh, you read this book, Love Does, and this guy became a logger, and it's amazing how he became a logger, but he's a lawyer for God. And I won't go into all that. Be willing to suffer, endure unjust suffering, and resist retaliation as a result of unjust suffering suffering. Now, I don't know if I should, but I'm going to read a couple of things from here because I don't want to run out of time. But the great evangelical recession, let me read you a couple of statements. Internal forces are already weakening the tree of evangelism in the United States evangelicals. Uh, but in coming decades, United States evangelicals will be tested as never before. I think that's true. By the ripping and tearing of external cultural change, a force more violent than many of us expect. Now, evangelicals, we have to define, unfortunately, what an evangelical is today because see CB- some evangelicals aren't evangelicals in the historical sense. An evangelical, very simply, is someone who believes that Jesus is the only way to salvation, and this book is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. That's the summary, short summary uh, statement, definition of an evangelical. Now... Billy Graham recently wrote in the foreword of his updated book, Storm Warning, Now at 91 years old, I believe the storm clouds are darker than they have ever been. The world has changed dramatically. I think that's absolutely true. In 18, 1984, just before his death, Francis Schaeffer rightfully identified the direction of American cultural change. And I won't read you the quote, but he says, the future of America here of 2020 to 2050, that's coming soon, will be increasingly anti-Bible believer and increasingly pro-homosexual. I think that's absolutely true. Americans under the age of 35 are four times more likely to be atheistic, agnostic, or non religious. Their secular worldview affects the greater United States culture and in coming decades will reshape federal, state, and local governments as well as less formal cultural norms. I think that's absolutely true. Gallup polls show the change. In 1996, some 68% of Americans opposed gay marriage, while only 27% favored it. By 2011, the numbers dramatically flipped, with a majority of 53% favoring gay marriage and only 45% opposing it. Let me read you this little section quickly. The governor of California, I don't know if you're aware of this, recently signed Bill SB 1172 into law, which makes it illegal for any counselor or family therapist in California to counsel minors away from homosexual sex. Every second, and it's not, we're not just talking about homosexuality. Here's what we have, an increasing hypersexual culture, hypersexual let me read you this. Every 30 minutes a porn film is made in the United States. The United States produces 89% of all pornographic web pages. Every second, 30,000 people in America are viewing porn. 42.7% of internet users view porn. The average age of initial pornography exposure is 11 years old. I mean, it's amazing. city of Philadelphia lowered the age of for condom distribution to 11 years old or fifth grade. This is the world we're living in, and folks, if what I'm reading here is correct, and I think it is, it's going to get worse. Now, he doesn't leave us with a negative message. He tells us how to prepare, and he just uses the Bible, how to prepare for this, because this is where we're living, and this is where we're heading as a culture. And apart from a real, genuine revival, which I'm praying for, and which God wants to send, But apart from a real genuine genuine revival, we need to really heed what God says to us through the pen of Peter. Because this is our witness. This is our witness. Now, those are the essentials for success. Here's what success accomplishes. We become more like Christ. We become more like Christ. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. We become the witnesses he desires us to be. And then third, people are healed by our wounds. Did you get that? We're talking about spiritual healing. We're talking about people coming to Christ because of how we respond to their unjust treatment of us. If we respond like Christ responded, some people will get saved. Now, there's some great examples. Of course, Jesus is our number one example what an example he is. It just wows me when I read when they hurl their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. Uh, when he suffered, he made no threats. Because it's one thing uh, to make a threat. It's another thing to be able to back it up. Remember what he said to Peter, Jesus said to Peter, when the mob comes out to arrest Jesus. And what does Peter do? He pulls out his sword. He's going to fight and defend the Lord. And here's what Jesus said. You find it in Matthew 26, verse 53. Do you not think I can call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal 12 legions of angels? Now, think about that. A Roman legion was about 6,000. Do the math. 72,000 plus angels. On the spot, right there, to wipe out the mob, wipe out the Jewish Sanhedrin, wipe out anybody that was going to send Jesus to the cross. Remember what Jesus said when he stood before Pilate? Let me read you from John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. But my kingdom is from another place. You jump to chapter 19, still there before Pilate. Pilate says to Jesus, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus said to Pilate, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from heaven. In other words, it was God's will that Jesus suffer. And because he was willing to suffer, salvation comes to the world. It's the same with us. If we're willing to suffer like our Lord suffered, we become Christ to that person or persons. The centurion there before the cross. Darkness covered the land as Jesus hung on the cross. And when he breathed his last, there was a great earthquake. The rocks split open. Tombs of... People that had died in faith were opened up and they, these guys came out of the tombs and went into Jerusalem and showed themselves to people. I mean, amazing things happened. But despite all those amazing things, listen, here's what the Bible says, this centurion, when he saw how he died, when he saw how Jesus died, he exclaimed, surely this man was the son of God. When he saw how he died. One of the things that centurion must have heard is Jesus hung on the cross in those last Moments. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. The apostles all suffered for their faith. Most of them died martyrs' death. The first martyr of the church, a man named Stephen, as the Jews are laying their cloaks at the feet of a young Pharisee named Saul of Tarsus to go get the stones to stone Stephen... They stone him, and I think the way Stephen responded to that stoning was one of the greatest, the greatest tools of conviction to young Saul of Tarsus. Remember when Saul got saved? The Lord said to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. The goading of the Holy Spirit, the convicting of the Holy Spirit. Here's Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee, believer in God, believing he's doing God a service by persecuting Christians. But he was so blind. Stephen, as they're pelting him before he breathed his last, here's what he said. Don't hold this sin against them. Same thing the Lord said. Saul, I'm sure, remembered that as he saw Stephen. And it says they looked at Stephen and they saw his face was like the face of an angel. The Old Testament. Full of tremendous stories. I mean, who can forget Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, we know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's the names Babylon gave them. Their real Hebrew names are Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, friends of Daniel. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar built the image. When the band plays, you bow or you burn. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not bow. We're willing to burn. They're called before the king. I hear that you didn't bow before the image. Yes, that's true, O king. Well, you don't bow, you're going to burn. We want you to know, O king, our God is able to save us, but if he does not. And I don't know who was the spokesman for the three, but the other two probably thinking, if he does not. What do you mean, if he does not? (laughs) If he does not, we will not bow, we will burn. We're willing to burn. Nebuchadnezzar gets so enraged, he makes the fire ten times hotter than normal. The guys that throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire get burned up themselves. They die. That's how hot the fire is. But you know the story, right? They're looking into the flame, and here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting a suntan. I mean, they're just walking around in the flames. And there's a fourth person walking around with them, and they say, he looks like a son of God. Well, that's exactly right. He is the son of God. Now, everybody, if you're going to suffer like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, want the deliverance that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Those three guys got. Yeah. But listen, listen, listen. They didn't know they were going to be saved. They thought they were going to die. And they were willing to die. Of course, you know the story of Daniel. I'll never get tired of reading it. I'll never get tired of telling it. I'll never get tired of preaching about it. Here's Daniel God's raised him up as a government official in Babylon. His government peers don't like him, they don't like the God he serves. They're jealous. And they're going to get him. But they realize the only way we can get him, because he's so faithful in his, in his service to the government. The only way we're going to get at him, if it has something to do with his God and his faith. And so they go to King Darius and they say, hey, King Darius, we thought it would be a great idea if for the next 30 days. Anybody prays to any other God except you? Throw him into the lion's den. Darius said, that's a great idea. He makes the law, which according to the Medes and the Persians can't be repealed after it's made. And right after the law goes into effect, Daniel immediately goes to, his, goes to his home, opens his windows toward Jerusalem, and just like his pattern had been before, he prayed toward Jerusalem. He prayed. Well, they're there snapping pictures. They take the pictures back to Darius and say, Darius, this guy Daniel, look here, look. He's praying to a God other than you. So Darius has Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Now, like his friends, God delivers him. The lions do not eat him. But he didn't know that was going to happen. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to die. Let me take just a moment and read you the results of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den. Here's the result of their willingness to suffer and even die. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said... Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So many great stories like that. But not all of them are delivered in this life. Stephen wasn't. Most of the apostles weren't. But they left an undeniable witness to an unbelieving world. And through their lives, some were saved. Let me leave you with one more story. Go with me back to the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 37 i'm going to summarize most of it because we don't have time to read through the whole story but it's the story of a man named joseph starts out with him 17 years old he's the youngest of jacob's children he was born to jacob in jacob's old age he becomes a favorite son he is hated by his brothers
0: Today on The Living Word, Pastor Danny Hodges has been teaching through a series in the book of 1 Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus who grew to understand what living like Christ was really all about. Living like Jesus means standing out. It means not fitting in with the crowd. It means setting yourself apart from the ways of the world and seeking the word of God. Here at The Living Word, we understand how strange this might seem to those who don't know Christ. But what better way for them to experience Him than through you? We pray that you keep tuning in to this series to learn truth that's revealed in God's Word. We also pray that as you grow in Him, the people around you will come to know Jesus in a profound way. Would you be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word as well? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're constantly in need of His guidance, so please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thank you so much for praying about this. Before we leave you, if you live in or near the St. Petersburg area, all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Just go to ccfstpete.church to get directions and service times. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in again for Pastor Danny's next message right here on The Living Word.